Hello, I'm Marissa, a certified, licensed, and practicing pediatric occupational therapist. And this is OT with Marissa. Here we will review common terminology and topics, chat about daily OT practices, and provide simple but effective tools and strategies you can implement with the child or children in your life. Whether you're thinking about a career in occupational therapy, or a current student, new grad, or seasoned therapist, my hope is this podcast has something to offer you to learn, grow, and be the best therapist you can. I'm so happy you're here. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. On today's podcast, we are talking about what is occupational therapy. My goal in this podcast is to not only kind of describe what occupational therapy is, which might look different depending on the setting you're working in, the population you're working with, and your physical location, Um, but also I wanted to go a little bit into the history of occupational therapy. There is a really amazing YouTube video that AOTA released celebrating its centennial anniversary a couple years back. The name of the video is called Celebrating AOTA's Centennial, a Historic Look at 100 Years of Occupational Therapy. And I have to say, in preparing for this podcast and watching some YouTube videos and just trying to wrap my head around all things OT and what I wanted to communicate with you all today, I was really inspired and reinvigorated and kind of fired up a little bit about what occupational therapy is, the heart of occupational therapy, and really proud of myself, I guess, and lucky to have stumbled upon this career and pursuing it. I talked in my podcast last week about my journey with OT and finding it and pursuing it and everything that it encompassed for me personally. This is more of a look um, kind of professionally of what occupational therapy is, but in doing some of this research and looking back through my like OT practice framework um, and just kind of getting those foundational pieces realigned for me to communicate with you today, I just... I don't know. I was just was super, um, super happy and inspired that this is my career. So if you are an occupational therapist and maybe you're feeling a little burnt out, maybe revisit those um, foundational pieces and watch some of the videos that I'll mention here in the podcast. Um, maybe I'll try to put in some links to the YouTube videos or some links to um, some of the resources I use in this podcast to feel re-enlightened and re-inspired um, because it happens. You know, we get burnt out, we lose our focus, we, um, or maybe we're hyper-focused on small pinpoints of what we're doing that we lose that big picture or global approach to what's really behind occupational therapy and where are we coming from historically, ourselves personally and professionally, um, and where are we going with that. So that's just a little piece before I get into everything here about occupational therapy. This might be a really good podcast if you know somebody who's considering a career in occupational therapy, you could send it to them to help them discover what OT is, 
and if this is something that they want to do. This might be a good podcast to send to a fellow OT student or OT practitioner if you know that they're struggling or feeling a little bit burnt out right now. This might also be a really good podcast to send to a friend, a parent, a grandparent, somebody in your life who's not quite sure what it is you do um, for a living. I know that some of my friends or um, sometimes my family members, I'm not quite sure they really understand what occupational therapy is and what I do and so maybe this is a podcast that I'm going to send to them when I'm done with it. So this is just overall a great resource. I think I've done a little bit of research into it. Um, pulled some of those resources together to kind of put it here for you in an organized manner about how occupational therapy evolved, where we are now, the different areas of occupational therapy, and overall what it is. So let's start with the definition of occupational therapy. I am using this resource from the American Occupational Therapy Association, or AOTA, with their most updated definition. Um, I think it was updated in 2021, um, or at least that's when this document was created. So the definition of occupational therapy, it might sound a little bit scripted, y'all, I'm reading it right from AOTA, is the practice of occupational therapy means the therapeutic use of everyday life occupations with persons, groups, or populations to support occupational performance and participation. Occupational therapy practice includes clinical reasoning and professional judgment to evaluate, analyze, and diagnose occupational challenges and provide occupation-based interventions to address them. Occupational therapy services include habilitation, rehabilitation, and promotion of physical and mental health and wellness for clients with all levels of ability-related needs. These services are provided for clients who have or are at risk for developing an illness, injury, disease, disorder, condition, impairment, disability, activity, limitation, or participation restriction through the provision of skilled services and engagement in everyday activities Occupational therapy promotes physical and mental health and well-being by supporting occupational performance in people with or at risk of experiencing a range of developmental physical and mental health disorders. Woo! That's the whole definition according to AOTA, the most updated one. I'm recording this podcast in 2023, so maybe you're listening to it couple years from now it may have updated but that is it's like a paragraph you guys 
So in short, what that's really saying is looking at a person holistically and helping them be successful in the things that are meaningful to them in their home, in their community, in their life by engaging them in those occupations. So I really like the quote, occupational therapy is a means to an end. So the end goal might be to get better at a certain skill so that you can perform and participate in a specific occupation or a specific activity or something that's meaningful to you. The way you're going to get there, yeah, is by breaking down the components of what that activity or that occupation requires you to be able to do. So that's through a process that we're very well equipped in um, called activity or task analysis. But in order to get to that end goal, you are engaging in the things that are meaningful to you to get there. It's a means to an end. So a little bit about the history of occupational therapy, which really plays into the definition of what it is. Occupational therapy started in mental health. Uh, it really started, I believe it was World War One. Now, if you know me, you know history has never been my strong suit. I just, there's something in my brain where remembering historical information and putting some of those pieces together it just it didn't quite connect as as strongly as some other areas of academics did for me and so I really struggled with history um but it is super important to know where we're coming from so in world war one um individuals from allied places, countries, um, including the United States, were sent to France, I believe is really where this kind of originated in 1918, which would have been towards the end of the war. Yes, I totally looked this up and this is not coming from my memory. <laughs> um, but women were, uh, like that used to be, uh, that were teachers or secretaries or whatever, um, were kind of pulled together and were called reconstruction aides. And so these women were sent to help men who were wounded in war. So these were disabled soldiers. And these women were teaching them how to be handy, how to engage in craft tasks, how to re-engage and learn vocational skills. It was meant to kind of distract these men who were injured and give them some sense of purpose to not only help them heal physically and kind of relearn different motor skills, but the goal really was to help them re-engage in what life might be after war to help with their mental health. So these reconstruction aids would create these different tasks that involved both the soldier's mind as well as their hands together um, to create something 
that was purposeful. So a lot of these tasks had like an ending point, right? So they were making a physical object, they were engaging in an art activity where there was essentially an end. So that's like that purposeful task is something that you can kind of see through to the end and you have a product, like a physical product that you have created. And so it was really encouraging these soldiers and these men to build that confidence in themselves, feel like they had something that they could um, provide and give to others of themselves after the war. Something that they could contribute so they still felt like they had a sense of purpose in who they were. I love this quote um, by this woman, Aura Ruggles, who had an impact on some of the development of occupational therapy. She says, It is not enough to give a patient something to do with his hands. You must reach the heart as well as the hands. It is the heart that really does the healing. So kind of simultaneously as these women um, who were at the time uh, known to be reconstruction aides, they eventually, uh, essentially what they were doing was occupational therapy and essentially they would be called occupational therapists and programs would be established to train these women, especially as we moved into World War II. But simultaneously, as this was going on, um, this is kind of cool if you're from the New York area, um, in Clifton Springs, New York, which is actually not too far from where I grew up, um, that is where the National Society um, for Occupational Therapy or, or the promotion of occupational therapy was founded. Um, at this place called the Constellation House, and that officially um, was founded on March 15th, 1917, so right towards the end of the war. That's really where we started kind of figuring out, okay, we, ne we need an actual um, term, we need an actual profession here for these people doing this work. And that was founded by a man named George Edward Barton. Um, there was a couple of different founders. One of them, his name was William Rush Dunton, and he was a medical doctor. And he said, this is his quote, that occupation is as necessary to life as food and drink, that every human being should have both physical and mental occupation, that sick minds, sick bodies, sick souls may be healed through occupation. I won't go into all of the history. Um, like I said, that YouTube video called Celebrating AOTA Centennial, a historical look at 100 years of occupational therapy. It's about 30 minutes long. Totally worth your, um, worth your time. Go watch it. I've watched it multiple times. I watched it actually for the first time before I went to grad school. So good. Um, so I won't go into like that deep dive because I'll probably mess up some facts and you should just go watch the video. But in 1923, that is when the National Society for the Promotion of OT got its new name, which is now known as um, the American Occupational Therapy Association Incorporated, um, or AOTA. So that's really when AOTA was developed. And of course, Eleanor... Clark Slagle was the first executive director of AOTA. 
and in 1935, that is when AOTA and the American Medical Association started to adopt what would be like the essentials of occupational therapy schools and kind of creating this standardized programming of what you needed to do or be to learn to to be an occupational therapist. So that's really where we started to get those accredited programs in schools was um, in 1935. So our profession um, really has only been around for a little over 100 years. Okay, so now we're going to jump into a little bit more about what occupational therapy is now. So there are about six practice areas or um, areas that occupational therapy practitioners work in. One of those being children and youth, which is where I reside, is in that, um, that practice area. There's also the area of health and wellness, mental health, productive aging, rehabilitation and disability, as well as work and industry. So those are really the areas that OTs um, kind of cover. So let's break those down just a little bit more. Um, for children and youth, this is typically working with children who have developmental disabilities or mental health issues, working um, with autistic children, um, maybe uh, children who have sensory challenges, and this can partake in a variety of different settings like schools, clinics, or within the client's home. So then you have health and wellness. So this area of practice really focuses on helping clients with chronic, um, which is like longer term or acute, like shorter term conditions. And the main purpose here um, in this area is to kind of help people manage those conditions and be as like active or independent in those areas of occupation as they can be. You then have the area of mental health, which ironically is initially where occupational therapy started and then OT practitioners kind of um, weren't seen as frequently in that area. And so it's kind of this new rediscovery uh, area of occupational therapy. But essentially it's helping those that have mental health issues. So this can be people who abuse drugs or alcohol, who have um, different mood disorders or dealing with anything mental health related, different psychiatric disorders um, or illnesses, and you're helping them find meaning in and re-engage in those areas of occupation. You could be helping them maybe transition um, to a new job, find work, help them manage stress, or um, build that confidence that they need to feel like they can be successful in their environments. Productive aging, which is probably the most well-known area of OT, is um, helping to care for older adults and address uh, all aspects of aging. So the goal here is really to help older adults be as independent as they can be. It might be helping to refine um, their role as they're aging, their purpose in life, what they can contribute as well as um, maybe just acceptance of the aging process 
and what that looks like towards those end stages of life. Rehabilitation and disability is also one of the more well-known areas of occupational therapy. Um, and this is helping clients that have different illnesses, physical injury, permanent disabilities, um, and you're helping them re-engage in those areas of occupation um, more so physically here, either helping them to rehabilitate their physical being, relearn a skill, relearn different motor patterns, um, or problem solving, ways to problem solve those executive functioning needs um, to be successful in a task and or adapting that task, modifying the way that that task is completed so they can be successful in it with their current abilities. This commonly takes place in um, like hospitals, rehabilitation facilities, in a clinic, um, and even uh, in a client's home. The last practice area is work in industry. Um, and this can be kind of helping a client after an illness or an injury go back to work. Um, so it's kind of funny. Sometimes uh, people hear the term occupational therapy and they're like, oh, you help people get jobs. No, but also yes. <laughs> I'm like, well, it depends, you know. So um, work in industry is like helping that client return to work and also looking at um, the work environment and making sure it's set up in a way that helps prevent injury. So um, looking at ergonomics and looking at the way that a facility is structured to make sure that a person's able to kind of ease through those work tasks and demands in a way that's safe for their body. I think this might be a good place to maybe debunk um, a very common myth uh, associated with occupational therapy and um, oh my gosh I would say maybe like 50 to 70 percent of, of the time when you ask somebody like oh well, what do you think OT is they're either going to say oh like occupational therapists help people get jobs we already discussed that that is a very small part of what we can do but really isn't um, isn't our, our primary objective here as therapists. Um, another, another thing that a lot of people will say is, oh, occupational therapy works with somebody's upper body and arms, whereas physical therapy works with the lower body. Now there is some truth to this where occupational therapists are definitely more um, educated and skilled in the anatomy um, and physiology of the upper body more so than we are the lower body. Um, but in order to be holistic in treating somebody, we can't divide the body into an upper and a lower half. We just can't. Regardless of a person's ability or challenges, you know, you really have to, I think, first look at their volition or motivation to do something, then their cognitive 
uh, an executive functioning skills um, to plan and organize whatever that task might be, paired then with any um, motor abilities, both upper and lower extremities, as well as, you know, proximal control or um, kind of that core stability and ability to weight shift move, cross midline, um, all of those those systems in place while taking into consideration their environment and their nervous system responses and their sensory systems and how those are integrating together paired with any social emotional um, skills or abilities in the context of that occupation um, and so it's really you know you really can't subdivide these components into different categories sure you can kind of look at them all individually initially but it all has to come together in order to be successful in a particular occupation um so what exactly is an occupation um we've kind of talked about that it's something that's purposeful it's an activity um, do you guys remember, it's a, it's an old commercial. I think, I think the CDC organized it back in like the nineties, um, to get kids to be like more active or something like that. I'll see if I can't find it and find the, the link to it. Um, but the commercial or the slogan was verb. It's what you do. And Every time I think of an occupation, that's like, that's what comes to mind. Occupation, it's what you do. It's like, it's the thing you're doing. It's the thing you're actively engaging in. Whether it's like having a social occupation, chatting with friends. Whether it's like the occupation of a hobby. Maybe you're hiking. Maybe you're um, like rock climbing. The occupation of cooking dinner for your family. The occupation of being a parent, of being a student, um, it encompasses so much. It really does. And occupy, it's such a broad, abstract term. And so that's really, I think, why it's hard to define occupational therapy because there's so many things that fit into that scope. Um, I think it's also what makes it, in my opinion, one of the most challenging things as an occupational therapist is figuring out where are my boundaries here? What, when am I crossing the line into something that, you know, I have a little bit of knowledge on, but I'm not the most skilled in. And that kind of comes back to that lower body analogy of, yes, we can definitely help a patient holistically, and that includes the lower body as well as the upper body, and maybe we're consulting or working with a physical therapist who has more skills in that area. So anyways, let's get into areas of occupation to kind of help us compartmentalize and break it down and better understand that term occupation. So there's this really handy book. If you're an occupational therapy student, you know it. You more than likely have it. In fact, I think it's mandatory to purchase um, upon entering any occupational therapy program. It's called the Occupational Therapy Practice Framework, Domain and Process, or OTPF as short. Essentially what it is, is it is a 
skeleton and basic rubric of what is occupational therapy and what is within our scope of practice and what what is it that we do. And so when I was in school, I had the third edition and was taught um, that there were eight primary areas of occupational therapy. There is now the fourth edition, and with the fourth edition, they have added another area of occupation. Um, So now there's nine, and I'll get into what that new one is. Um, But essentially what the eight areas of occupation are and what it is in occupational therapy or as an occupational therapist that we are targeting or what we can help on depending on our setting and our population um, is one working on what are called ADLs or activities of daily living. And essentially these are any sort of activities oriented towards taking care of one's own body, so like feeding, dressing, that sort of thing. There's also IADLs or instrumental activities of daily living. So these are more like activities that support your life within the home or community. They're a little bit more complex. Um, This could also be taking care of somebody else or fulfilling a role you might have. Then you have rest and sleep. It's pretty obvious. Education, work, play, leisure, or just what it is you do in that downtime, free time, as well as social participation. I'm not going to get into all of those. Maybe that can be a different podcast podcast episode, breaking those down. But I did want to add in, in case you didn't know it, because I didn't know that we had a whole new area of occupation until I looked this up for the podcast. Um, and this new area of occupation is health management. And so essentially this is um, like symptom and condition management, medication management, social and emotional health promotion and maintenance, communication within the healthcare system, could be managing a personal device, working on nutrition or physical activity management. So they more so just took what we were already doing and gave it its own new area of occupation because they were kind of fitting into the other areas. They just pulled it and gave it more of an emphasis that, hey, this is this deserves its own category of um, occupation. And what it is as occupational therapists that we can help with. So obviously, depending on the population that you are working with, as well as the setting that you're in, the occupations that you're focusing on might be different. So in the school-based setting, which is where I primarily am, I'm working on the occupation of education and the occupation of these kids or adolescents being a student. That's their role within that setting, and those are the primary occupations we're working on. Of course, I have with these kids worked on toileting routines, dressing, um, a lot of different areas of ADLs, IADLs. I will do a lot of home communication and talk about and give strategies for rest and sleep as well as start to implement transition programs for potential work. 
um, or vocational skills. We do work on play and social participation. And of course, I chat about the kids um, or with the kids about their weekend and what it was that they did for leisure. But the primary service that's being provided is relating back to their education um, and who they are as a student and how to make them successful. So that is just um, a nice in-depth explanation of the history of occupational therapy, where it is we came from, um, and what it is that we're doing now. What is what fits within our scope of practice as an occupational therapist. The next couple of podcasts, my goal, my intention is to get into a little bit more of these areas as well as kind of go over some general terminology that you might hear in some upcoming podcasts. I realize that a lot of the people listening to this podcast show at this point in time probably aren't occupational therapists. You might be teachers or other related service providers. You might just be family or friends. Um, and so if you wanted to keep listening and you are interested in some of the things uh occupational therapy related, I thought it'd be really nice just to break down some of the terminology, or if you're a new student or thinking about becoming a student, to kind of go over that lingo and what those common terms mean, what they are, what we're talking about. If you are an occupational therapist or you're a student and you've already learned some of this, it might just be a nice refresher to go over some basic definitions, but that's what's to come. So typically towards the end of my podcasts, I've been leaving you with a little positive affirmation. I'll be honest and say that I couldn't really find one that corresponded with what we talked about today. So instead, I want to leave you with a little piece of advice. And like any piece of advice, regardless of where it's coming from, you can take it or you can leave it. But my piece of advice for you today is to figure out what are your occupations? What is it in your life that you like to do? What's meaningful for you? And what are some of the roles that you fulfill throughout this season of your life? Obviously, those roles and meaningful things that you're doing, they change depending on the season that you're in. But what are they for you in this season? And what sort of routines habits, activities, hobbies, things like that can you re-engage in or engage in more intentionally? For myself personally, um, maybe as an example for you, one occupation that I really enjoy engaging in is going for nice long walks with my dog. So not only is this a meaningful occupation for me, it relates to my health and wellness, it preoccupy some of that down or leisure time that I have. It's really great for my mental health, but it also fulfills that role that I have as a dog owner or a dog mom and that connection that I have with Nova. And here in New York, the weather is getting a little bit warmer. It's been like 40, 50, almost 60 degrees. The sun is starting to come out and the snow has melted. The ground is firming up. It's not quite as muddy or damp. And so going for those longer walks and hopefully soon hikes is something that 
was not in my winter season whatsoever, um, but is now coming into this new season of my life. So I'm making time and scheduling time throughout my week to take the dog on walks and being really intentional about that time. So whatever your occupation is, that meaningful, purposeful task, maybe it's something you used to do that you want to bring back into your life, maybe you're in exploration for something completely new, and um, that's going to give you a new sense of purpose, meaning belonging, fit into a new role, whatever it is for you, go be intentional about that, and if you're not sure what that is yet, then go do a little bit of internal self-exploration to help figure out what that could be. All right, everybody, go enjoy the rest of your day, and I will see you next time. Thanks for listening. As a reminder, this podcast is not medical advice and does not replace the potential need for skilled and individualized therapeutic services. Please consult your pediatrician or occupational therapist for specific questions about your child. Similarly, these are my personal and professional views and opinions. If something I say does not feel right to you or is different from what you have learned, please follow your own intuition and learning quest. And remember, science and language are always changing and growing. I will try my best to stay as up-to-date as possible, but I myself am always learning. If you have any follow-up questions or requests for future podcasts, feel free to reach out to me on my Instagram at OT underscore with underscore Marissa. See you soon.